Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. That's what was good. It's Vinny's View on the home of the Suns, Arizona Sports. Presented by Revitalize Weight Loss and Wellness. Eat smart, lose weight, keep it off with Revitalize. Proud nutrition partner of your Phoenix Suns. Three weeks later, it didn't feel the same. As expected, Kevin Durant's pregame workout had fans on pins and needles. Well, not all of them. Most of the prepubescent enthusiasts that had gathered in Footprint Center's lower bowl still were bellowing Durant's initials and begging for autographs, but there was a definite thickness in the air. And this time, the workout went off without a hitch, and the 13-time All-Star was finally cleared for his first Phoenix takeoff. It wasn't easy. Durant missed his first six shots. He didn't connect until he hit a fadeaway jumper with 523 left in the second quarter. All in all, it was his worst shooting performance of the season, but the Suns got what they desired and needed. A 107-100 win over the Minnesota Timberwolves in a physical game between two playoff teams still fighting for positioning. While Durant's first three-game sample as a son looked about as easy as it could get with him hitting almost 70% of his shots and wins over Charlotte, Chicago, and Dallas, he looked like he was pressing to make an impression. His first, uh, his three first-half points represented his lowest total in six seasons. Making 28% of his shots on 15 or more attempts happens once in a blue moon for him. In fact, only 17 times in his career, and a third of those happened when he was a 19-year-old rookie in Seattle 15 years ago. I'm not saying the Suns' remaining path this season with Durant in the fold is going to be easy, but I am confident that the offense won't ever look that hard again. Now that long, now that the long-awaited, then-delayed, and awaited-again home opener is finally open, over, I think Durant, his teammates and coaches, and Suns fans everywhere can agree on this. We're glad that it's over. Vinny's View brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss and Wellness. Eat smart, lose weight, keep it off with Revitalize, a proud nutrition partner of the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, I think there's a, a level of rhythm, cardio, finding you know where you belong and on the team, offensive rhythm, defensive rhythm, like there's a lot going on. And um, when you just jump out there and, and get with a group that, that's been playing together for a while, it could take you a minute to find your flow. But those three games that he did play before his ankle injury, we saw it. Uh, we just didn't see it as much tonight. So I think it's something that we'll get to here quickly. Monty Williams on Kevin Durant uh, trying to find that flow quickly again. And there's only six regular season games remaining. Uh, another thing that we haven't seen even in the four games that Kevin Durant has played, Bick, mm-hmm. uh, we haven't seen a ton of their top four, their big four together. They start the game and then start the half and then there's a whole lot of mm-hmm. staggering going on. Um, so there was a big gaps of time where you didn't see Devin Booker and Kevin Durant on the floor together. Mm-hmm. That will change in the playoffs. If Kevin Durant does get that flow and the cardio back and all the health is, is yeah. hunky-dory, we yes. can expect big minutes and a lot of time on the floor together, which should really, really loosen things up. Indeed. And, and I think that um, we've already seen the effect that, that Kevin Durant has had um, in the first three games, basically given Devin Booker space that he has never had before as a professional basketball player, which is, you know, anecdotally, that's there's some notoriety to that because it's the guy that famously complained about being double teamed in a pickup game. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so this is an acute condition that, that Kevin Durant has solved for Devin Booker overnight. Um, it was in, interesting to me that, to find out via a Sam Amick piece that KD and, and Devin Booker started to hang out a little bit. Did you read that? 
I haven't read that. Okay, no. so so Devin Booker says that like over the past few years, like when they'd go to Golden State when he was with the Warriors, or they'd come here, they they'd kind of kick it together a little bit, mm-hmm. and it, and they wouldn't talk about joining forces. They just hang out a little bit. They found each other to kind of be cool with each other's company. So so there's an element here that goes beyond this idea of oh yeah, let's go get a, an elite player and see what this is like. And I think we all know that, but it was just curious to see Devin Booker start to give voice to what he's feeling about this. Then there's Chris Paul. What Kevin Durant has done for Chris Paul, it, it, it allows him to, to elite, unleash whatever potency he has left in much smaller doses, which is going to be a good recipe because last night Chris Paul looked terrific. I thought so too, and I was actually surprised to look at the final box score and see that Chris Paul missed more than half of his shots. It yeah. seemed like he was getting to where he wanted to get. And he was making his shots. It was kind of vintage, early Phoenix Suns Chris Paul last night. So, I, I, you know, what we saw didn't necessarily bear, you know match up with the numbers. But I, I well, agree with you. I thought he was terrific it, last night. It wasn't just the numbers, though. It was the energy yes. that he played with on both sides. He, he played with the defensive energy I haven't seen in a while mm-hmm. last night. Which means he's feeling the juice in his legs a little bit. There were moments last night in the second half where I'm like, this actually feels like a super team. And again, super team, define it at your own risk. Define it by your own standards. Yep. But for me, three all-stars in their prime competing at the same time. They, there was a time in the second half where I'm like, ooh, this might, might be more than the book and KD show. The Kevin and Devin show. Mornings. <laughs> You're listening to Kevin and Devin. Right. On the freak. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it, uh, Devin Booker talked about, um, you know, you know, and he's got a, a very acute awareness of this market, this fan base, the history of the league. And he, you know, played three games already with Kevin Durant, but kind of reflected on it again last night after the first home game together. Yeah, I mean, it's confidence for everybody. Um, you know, I was saying that even when he wasn't playing, he was just on the bench. And, you know, I feel like a lot of us, you know, minus CP, you know, grew up watching him, you know, most of our lives. So, you know, the respect um, for what he's done for this game and what he's done for, I know, me personally um, is there. And, you know, you just want to perform. So, obviously, having him out there on the court next year is better. There's a lot more space, versatility on the defense, and more length, and, you know, just one of the best to ever do it. Yep. Chris Paul talked about uh, Katie's impact on both ends of the floor. I don't know. I think, I think the game defensively so much. He brings so much tools with length and all that. Uh, offensively, we're going to be able to get whatever we want, I feel like, because I mean, usually we play against Minnesota. Uh, Jaden McDaniel, he usually guard me. <laughs> you know, so now you see he ain't guarding KD. He's probably going to guard both. <laughs> now, like, point guards actually guard me. Yeah, and if you remember when the deal went down, and there was all the reaction, and John Moran of Memphis had just said, oh, we're okay in the West. And then they asked Anthony Edwards about, oh, the Suns got Kevin Durant. What do you think about that? And he's like, oh, it's all right. We got Jaden McDaniels. Jaden McDaniels was yeah. on Kevin Durant a did lot a last job. night. And yeah. he, did a, he did a nice job mm-hmm. on it. He made things difficult. But you see how hard it is to keep a team down when there's yeah. that many options to go to. No, that's exa- and that's it. That's it. And so last night, the, the broad-based takeaway, you can talk about minutia and bit players and bench and stats. Devin Booker plus Kevin Durant, better than Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. Yes. Bottom line. Yes. Bottom line. I thought line. Edwards was great last night, too. I, I, the gap wasn't that I've big. I've seen him better, but yeah, I, but yeah he, he was, was really good. good. Yeah. 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 
Uh, join Dave Burns and the Arizona Sports Promo Team this Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon at the new Fulton Homes community, Barney Farms in Queen Creek. They'll be hosting a two seconds is too long drowning prevention event, giving you the chance to win D-backs tickets plus live CPR demonstrations from the YMCA and the Queen Creek Fire Department. Drowning is 100% preventable. Come out and learn how to kids keep safe around water. Coming up next, some NFL draft talk. And who better to do it with than the one and only Mel Kuyper Jr. from ESPN. He joins us next here on Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. We shift our focus to the NFL draft, and there is nobody, nobody better on planet Earth to talk NFL draft oh, with than no. our next guest. Mel Kuyper Jr., who joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line from ESPN. Mel, we love it when you come on the show, so thanks so much for making it happen today. We appreciate it. Dan, Vince, great to be with you guys. Uh, let's start with the Arizona Cardinals. They could be in a very enviable spot at number three if we get teams jockeying to move up to three to take a quarterback. What are the latest things you're hearing on, on those maneuverings uh, right now, Mel? Well, it depends a lot on this Lamar Jackson situation with Indianapolis mm-hmm. and what happens there. And then certainly uh, that was Seattle's going to take a quarterback or go defense at that point. Uh, Las Vegas, it seemed like, was maybe interested. Then with Jimmy Garoppolo, you hear different things that they're not now. Uh, yeah, it's just some teams, Tennessee at 11, you keep hearing quarterback. Atlanta at 8, are they going to move forward with Desmond Ritter? So there's a lot of teams that potentially could look to go up if the right quarterback is there. And, yeah. and you don't know who they really like. That's the whole key to this, that where Arizona's sitting, who does Carolina take, who does Houston take? If you say it's Stroud and Young, one, two, guaranteed, and nobody else is in the mix, which is the way it looks right now, I'm not buying the Anthony Richardson talk, regardless of how a useless pro day goes today, and pro days are useless in the, in the evaluation process, so this won't matter, but if Stroud and Young go one, two, does, does a team love Richardson and Levis enough, or Levis enough, to move up to get them? That's the whole question, is how they rank those two other quarterbacks. I'm so glad you said that because for a while now, you know, I, I've been watching some of this stuff from Anthony Richardson and I thought to myself, okay, this is the perfect litmus test for the NFL because his measurables, the stuff you can throw down at a combine or a pro day, it is mind blowing. And yet the game film tells you something completely different. Tell us more what you think about this and how, how do you think the league is going to react? How far will a team reach for him? Yeah, he's so talented, and he's got so much potential. In a league where running quarterbacks are thriving, he's going to be one of the best. So you can do things with him. Look what Daniel Jones is doing. Look what Josh Allen's doing. Look what Jalen Hurts is doing. Lamar Jackson started that process rolling, and other quarterbacks are doing the exact same thing now. And it's not not 10 or 12 of them. It's a handful of quarterbacks that are running threats now. And that's where, again, he can be one of the elite running quarterbacks in the league. Now, his arm strength is phenomenal. He, got, he has the size. He has the strength as a runner. He's got a powerful rocket arm, but right now, he's a work in progress. His accuracy to all three levels is not what you want. He only has 13 career starts, which is an incredibly low number. So there's concerns with him to the point where I think he's going to be the third or fourth quarterback taken. So I would have him fourth. Uh, some teams may have him third. I'm not buying into the whole Hendon Hooker talk this week. I have a second round grade on Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. Some people, I know Mike Tannenbaum had him going five to Seattle. I'm not buying that, but that's Mike's opinion. He has a right to that. 
he, he really likes Hendon Hooker. I'm not as high on Hendon Hooker as he is. But I think when you look at the other other quarterbacks, Levis and Richardson, I would have Levis ahead of Rich Richardson right now. Mm. Mel Kuyper, ESPN <laughs> NFL draft analyst, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. For the Cardinals at three, everybody's looking at Will Anderson, the edge rusher from Alabama. Highly productive career, and I think that would be a great spot to help rebuild this defense with, with Jonathan Gannon. Tell us more about what you think about Will Anderson, the player. Love the kid, love the character, love the way he played at Alabama. He, gives you, he really gives you everything he has. He, he wasn't interested at all in NIL deals. Nothing as a freshman, sophomore. He said, hey, that's time for that. We'll worry about that. I'm, I'm all business. He wasn't interested in any, any uh, you know, thing that was going to take him away from his focus on football. And this year, teams knew they had to obviously negate him. So he was chipped. He was obviously going to be contained a little bit better than he was, where he was not at all contained in 2021. Uh, this year, uh, you know, the stats dropped. I, the thing I will say about about Will Anderson Jr. When people say he's going to be elite, so elite means Miles Garrett or Von Miller in that mm-hmm. league. Nick Bosa, I, I didn't see that at Alabama, but hey, it, with his work ethic, you know, he's going to be a sponge. He's going to listen to everything that defensive line coach tries to teach him. Uh, right now, he doesn't have the bend or the explosiveness of those guys. Can he develop the bend? We'll see. Uh, but he's going to be clearly you know, one of the top guys in this draft. I have him second on the board right now. And Jalen Carter, with the character concerns, you could argue Will Anderson Jr. is the best player in this draft. So they can get that type of player at three or four or trade down even further and still get him, which I would doubt, and that's the tricky part, guys. How far down can you move? That's why when I projected the trade with Indianapolis, it was going down from three to four. Well, yeah. it's going from three to four, you're guaranteed Will Anderson Jr. Move further down than that, and you're not. Yeah, and you, you kind of led me to where I'm going with that question. I think that would be a win-win. You move down to four, you still get Will Anderson if you're the Cardinals, but if they move down a couple of other spots and end up with a with a you know a Wilson from, from Texas Tech, how much of a drop-off is there in that scenario? In, in Wilson's got a ton of talent, uh, 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 no question. He's got big-time talent. It's just, to me, they dropped him in the coverage some. Uh, they, you know, he was banged up at the end of the year with the foot. He had surgery. Uh, but his play was sporadic to me. I didn't always see the explosion and the dominance and just against guys that he's, uh, aren't going to be playing in the NFL. He wasn't able to beat one-on-one sometimes. And to me, you have to be able to do that in college, where these guys aren't going to be NFL offensive linemen that you're working against. So that, I, he looks the part. If you could draw up a guy as a defensive end slash outside backer, it would be him with his length and his size and his athleticism. So, uh, no, again, here's a guy a defensive line coach is going to look at and say, give me Tyree Wilson. I can make him a 12 to 15 sack a year guy. Right now, I don't see it. Coaching is going to determine his fate in the NFL. There's been a lot of ups and downs in Arizona, as you all know, regarding Kyler Murray. Has he become a cautionary tale for Bryce Young? or his, is his height and size not going to be an issue come draft day? I don't think it will be a huge issue with the team that takes them because they're going to say, we don't care. Right? It doesn't bother us. It bothers a lot. It has to bother teams, and it has bothered teams. I've talked to teams since September, about August, about Bryce Young, and they thought he would be 5'11", 180, 185. He ended up being 5'10 and a quarter, 204. Now, the 204 was manufactured. Now, that's not. He didn't get weighed at the combo, at the pro day. Why? Because he didn't want to get weighed again. He figured, okay, my weight dropped. I don't want a red flag going up here. So you got me a 204. That's all I'm going to show show you. 204 is the number, and that's it. You're never going to weigh me again. I will never be weighed the rest of my life. And, and that's basically what he was saying. So uh, 
is he going to play at 185, 190? And if right. you think that there's not a concern over that with teams, then I don't know how you can't be. But the team that drafts him better protect him and just better better hope that he doesn't you know get banged up because at 510 and a quarter, 190, I don't care if it's 200, he's still the smallest quarterback in the history of the common draft to go in the first round. Mel Kuyper, NFL draft analyst for ESPN, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Cardinals go into this draft, especially with the way that they've attacked free agency with so many holes, as you know, Mel. So moving down, you know, a high second round pick with needs on the offensive line and at cornerback and other premium positions. Where do you see the Cardinals possibly going and who are some of the candidates for that spot? Cornerback is so good uh, this year where you can wait a little bit on corner. Now, if you move down and you looked at a corner like Devon Witherspoon from Illinois in the top 10 somewhere or Christian Gonzalez from, from Oregon, I love Emmanuel Forbes. If Emmanuel Forbes dropped to the early second round out of Mississippi State, I, I love the kid. 14 career interceptions, six uh, pick sixes. He's smooth. He's athletic. He ran four three five. He's 166 pounds but never missed a game because of injury in three years at Mississippi State. He's got length. He's six one. Love that kid. Uh, DJ Turner, Michigan, is going to be really interesting in the early second round. After running that 4-2-6, he played off. He played man. He was a special teams guy before he became a starter. Jim Harbaugh loved the kid. Uh, so I think he would be. I would think if Forbes were there, I don't think he will be. But if he did slide through, you got to take him, in my opinion. I don't think he will be. The realistic corner to be there would be DJ Turner from Michigan or Cam Smith from South Carolina. Keely Ringo from Georgia, who some like. I'm not as – I think he's a little overrated. Uh, so those would be the corners that I would look at. Turner from Michigan and maybe Cam Smith from South Carolina. You know, under Steve Keim, the Cardinals frequently drafted the best player available. They frequently drafted um, non-premium positions with premium picks. Got into some trouble that way. The new regime, Monty for Jonathan Gannon, they're talking about drafting for need. What I guess I'm asking you is, after mm-hmm. all these years of doing this, Mel, are there is there a right way to rebuild a football team like we're looking at in Arizona? I think the best player in a position of need is what teams have done. So I think they've kind of intertwined those two points and made it work. Uh, you can't go in saying we're, we're going to draft a guy. If we're, if we're heavy at, at on, the, on the D-line, now some teams do. Look at the 49ers. They loaded up on D-linemen when they had defensive linemen. Uh, you know, uh, Mike Tannenbaum had Seattle taking two defensive linemen, or excuse me, Detroit taking two defensive linemen when they already had Aiden Hutchinson from yeah. last year, Josh Paschal from last year, John Kaminsky. The list goes on and on and on. So uh, and they were satisfied with their DT. So he still had them taking two defensive linemen. He said, hey, look at the 49er profile. You can do it. Problem is, you don't want to put so much money. Look at the Reds, the Washington Commanders with all the money they have on the D-line. To me, that's not, that's not the best way to go about your business. So I think it's the best available player at one of the four positions of need. Most teams have three to five. Some have six positional need areas. So you can certainly find the best player on your board will be probably hitting one of those need areas. And guess what? guys. Teams adjust their boards to suit their needs mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. So uh, you know, the, the whole board change, I've heard scores about the board changes from the night before the draft till the morning of the draft. Uh, and they didn't even have anything to do with it. Somebody goes in and just adjusts it to make it fit to suit what they want to do. Mel, amazing as always. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for Bravo, spending a few Mel. minutes with us. We appreciate it. Have a great day, guys. Always a pleasure, man. Take care. You too, Mel Kuyper Jr., ESPN NFL draft analyst, our guest on the Arizona Thank Sports so Line. Speed. <laughs> People say AI is coming. It's already here. It's yeah, that guy right there. It's been there. around for years, there's too. Chat GPT and there's Mel Kuyper. <laughs> right. Chat right as, MKJ. Right yeah. before that came out of your mouth, I muttered to myself, what a machine. What is it? Remember the 40 yeah. times in the weights for like uh-huh. guys in the second round? Like, yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> just so you know, he doesn't know what we're going to ask. 
ask him. <laughs> he doesn't, right? Not scripted. The big stories of the day repackaged. Rush Woo-hoo. Hour Reboot with Sarah Cazell's next here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Welcome into the Rush Hour Reboot, everybody. Hi, great to have you with us as we take you through the top stories of the day on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I am Sarah Cazell. That's Dan Bickley. Hey! <laughs> that's Vince Murata. Hi, stop what you're doing. Ooh. And that's Jarrett Curlin. Uh, hey, Jarrett. Uh, Gronk's tushies hanging out. Well worth, usual. well worth the wait. Absolutely. <laughs> well worth the wait. All right. The Suns won again last night, beating the Timberwolves 107 to 100. Three wins in a row now for Phoenix. Kevin Durant made his home debut um, finally, and it was kind of a slow start for him. He missed his first six shots. He only had three points in the first half. He even changed his shoes at halftime to shake things up. He finished with 16 points and eight rebounds, including two very important three-pointers early in the fourth. After the game, Durant acknowledged he had some nervous energy going into this one. Yeah, I was just saying that to the guys in the locker room that um, it's hard for me to get sleep today. It was hard for me to stop thinking about the game and sometimes uh, you can want it too bad and you come out there and play like, you know, start rushing and start taking, being uncharacteristic. So, um, I'm glad I'm back. I'm glad I'm into the you know, to the zone of playing again and being around the guys and being one of the guys again. So just keep building from here. All right. So the good news is Charles Barkley gets to hold on to that record for most points in the Suns' home debut. Same for Tom Gugliotta. Yeah, let's face it, Katie's no Googs. <laughs> uh, there was a lot to take in from last night's game, not just Kevin Durant making his home debut, uh, but the Suns won again, which has been really important in this final stretch. Josh Okogie had a great night, 10 points, 9 boards. Um, another win in the West, like I said. What what stood out to you big picture the most? from this? The, um, that Devin Booker got some star treatment, found his way to the foul line on a night that he was not scoring like he normally does. And, and I really thought that the point guard combo of Chris Paul and Campaign looked about as good uh, together in one game as they have since uh, the run to the NBA Finals. Now, yeah. I'm sure I I missed a good game somewhere in there along the way, but that's the way it struck me last night. Yeah. I'm like, that was a one-two punch. Chris Paul and campaign delivered the Timberwolves last night. For me, it was, and you kind of hinted at it, Sarah, the big picture thoughts for me were the Suns as a team were able to juggle the return of Kevin Durant, all the emotion, all of the anticipation, and weigh it properly uh, 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 You know, with winning what was not a must-win, but a very important game for them. Yeah. Uh, you know, if they don't win that game, we're talking about the fifth place Phoenix Suns, yeah, and right. that's after Kevin Durant yeah. makes his debut. So that was really easily lost in yeah. everything last yeah. night. Just yeah. how important that game happened to be. There were all right. sorts of tiebreaker implications mm-hmm. if they lost that game. There was all sorts of trouble ahead if they put potential trouble if they lost that game. And to their credit, they did. Yep. They just weren't gonna. Yep. Still half a game ahead of the Clippers in fourth, and then uh, one and a half games ahead of the Golden State Warriors, who are in sixth right now. Uh, 
There was an exclusive interview with Shams Charania that just dropped this morning. I know you guys haven't had a chance to read it yet because it dropped during the show. Um, but there's a, a, a quote I wanted to pull from that and get your guys' reaction to. Kevin Durant speaking with Shams Charania. He says, I don't care about legacy when asking about jumping from team to team to win a championship. I used to care. I used to want to carve out a lane or a space in this game for myself that people can remember, but it's become too much of a thing now. It just becomes too much of a focus on other people. Before, when we weren't doing all this debating, I cared about legacy, but now I really don't care. Do you guys believe him? Part of me does, yeah, because I I do think Kevin Durant, from what I can tell, is a is a pretty honest, open book. Like he it or not, last night. like it or yeah. not, he's he's pretty much an open book, and and I think there's some validity to what he is saying because he part of what part of why this is working here so far is his ability to blend in because he doesn't have to be that guy because he doesn't he doesn't come in and say okay I'm here it's my way now mm. he doesn't do that Chris Paul does that more than Kevin. Durant does that. And, and that's what makes him also ridiculed by the old heads, if you will. Mm-hmm. Because they're not the guy who's like, okay, this is my team. Everybody get behind me. Yeah. Okay, it's he's a different guy. He's he's a different guy. Well, and I think that's where it's interesting because Kevin Durant, you mentioned it, you're headbutting with the old heads, if you will. But that's kind of the old part about him. As I, I do believe him. And I think, generally speaking, legacy gets talked about more in this generation of basketball players and fans. If you're worrying about what your legacy is going to be, you're worrying about the wrong things. you got to live in the now before you can live in the future. Yeah, I, I think I think Kevin Durant being honest about what he felt last night and Kevin Durant being sheepish about his introductory press conference and Kevin Durant obviously not feeling comfortable with that first um, home debut when he injured himself, it shows that he cares. Yeah. It shows that he cares about being successful here. And you don't get that a lot, or you don't get that all the time from elite players anymore. Sure. They, caring about where they're at necess- isn't always part of the deal anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You said you have to care, Vince, about the present before you can care about the future. Is that how you Yeah, if your it? present sucks, your legacy is not going to be much anyway. So you got to take care of business in the moment. Therapy with wow. Vince Morata. Yeah. All right, let's get. Does he need it or is he dispensing? Oh no, he's dispensing it. Oh, yeah, I was, I was absorbing it. Yeah, both can be true. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure there's therapists out there that are some of the most screwed up people ever. (laughs) I felt like the patient in that moment. That's what I'm getting at. Are you guys watching Shrinking? Yes, (laughs) yes. I have one episode left. It has torn me to pieces. I love it. Oh, so good. Everyone watched Shrinking. Oh yeah, it's so good. All right, MLB opening day is today. One of the best days on the sports calendar, maybe the best. Um, all 30 teams are in action. We've got two games starting at 10.05 this morning. Sadly, the D-backs will not be playing until 7.10 tonight. They are in Los Angeles to open up their season against the Dodgers. Zach Gallen is making his first opening day start after Madison Bumgarner did so the past three seasons. And earlier this week on the Burns and Gambo show, Zach Gallen spoke about his expectations for this year. In all honesty, I think we're going to compete for a playoff spot. Um you know, I think um, one fold of that is, you know, if, if you don't think you can compete for a playoff spot, what are you, what are you doing it for? What are you shooting up for? Um, but two fold of that is, is the fact that I actually do think we have the talent, um, you know, whether it's on the veteran side, the young side, pitching, the defense, the base running, um, you know, all the way to, you know, just our analytics staff and, and preparing us with that knowledge. 
I think this is going to be an exciting year for us. Um, and I, I haven't been able to say that with full on confidence, um, you know, so far in my big league career. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah, we know, Zach. We know you've had to lie the last couple seasons. That's all right. FanDuel Sportsbook, uh, projected win total for the Diamondbacks this year, 75.5 wins, which would put them fourth in the NL West, only above the Rockies. Over or under 75.5? I'll go with the over. Yeah, I've got him over. Yeah, comfortably over. Significantly over? Yes. In the 80s? Yes. Low 80s. Okay. Upper 80s. Upper oh, upper 80s. Mm-hmm. 86, 87? 86. 87. Okay. And to answer Zach wow. Gallon's question. <laughs> to answer Zach Gallon's question, if you don't think you have a chance to make the playoffs, what are you doing? The answer to that question is, uh, you're employed by the Pittsburgh Pirates. Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> by the way... We'll be talking more baseball next. Yes, we will, because we will be joined. Thank you, Sarah. Rush Hour Review every morning at 7.30. We will be joined for his uh, first weekly visit of baseball season 2023 by the president and CEO of the Arizona Diamondbacks, Derek Hall. That's next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Mr. Speaker, the president of the United States. I have the high privilege and the distinct honor to present to you the president. He's the president and CEO of your Arizona Diamondbacks. Hail to the chief. Derek Hall. The president. On now with Bickley and Murata. Oh, baseball is in the air. Opening day 2023. Diamondbacks opening up in L.A. against the Dodgers. Here to talk about the upcoming season. President and CEO of the D-backs, Derek Hall, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Derek, good morning and happy Derek. opening day to you. Hey, guys. That's Bick. So good to be with you. And by the way, updating the opening music. That's my walk-up music. Can you updated it. It's it's fresh. Yeah, we got a, a, a new voice saying the, <laughs> the, the president part. Yeah, all good. It is hey, walk it's, up it's easy. That's right. Looking forward to the season. Uh, apropos of nothing, if you were a player at this point in your life, Derek, what would be your walk up music? Oh, that's a good call. Um, you know, there, there's a song. My daughter plays soccer, college soccer, and she she actually led her conference in in points this year. And every time she scored, they would play the song. And I got to think who the artist is, but it was "Do You Know Pump It Up." You know, we got to pump it up, and it's just a great song. And I, I think we're going to incorporate that. that into our presentation okay. here as well because nice. I came back and said, "Hey, I love this song." And they're all like, "Yeah, we need a mid fifties guy telling us what what to play here in the stadium." <laughs> Maybe we'll have another. <laughs> It works for me, Derek. (laughs) That's good. I I agree, Beck. Hey, we're not old. No. We're young at heart. No, exactly. All right, let's get into the big picture first because the sport of baseball really seems to have some momentum, and I think it's because of the pitch clock and it's because of the World Baseball Classic. Your thoughts on that? Oh man, I totally agree. I think I think right now there is indeed momentum, and I think the popularity of the sport is at a high where it was right before like the ninety one ninety two strike, you know, and and then we took a we we fell off the cliff, and thank goodness we had a home run chase going at the time with McGuire and Sosa to to rebound a little bit. But I think we are back, and and just the popularity of the WBC, and I look at it here. I mean, exceeding expectations, guys. We had for USA Mexico on that Sunday night, we had forty eight thousand fans here. 
the largest attendance of all pool play that included Japan, Taiwan, Miami, and here. You know, we had on the Saturday because we had our game against Great Britain and everybody wants to buy a ticket to see Great Britain play baseball. <laughs> but on that Saturday, <laughs> the, the two games were 70,000, you know, the most we've ever had for two games in a day. We sold 250,000 tickets in those 10 games in five days. It was huge. And, and the impact that it had here, it was over $100 million of economic you know, um, impact. The downtown area was full of people wearing jerseys. That, that Sunday night game, I still get chills. It was so loud. It reminded me of that crowd in 2017, the wild card game when Archie Bradley hit that triple and it erupted. It was like that the entire game. And I'd say probably 80 or 85% were pro-Mexico. It was really fun to see. Yeah, and and Vic talked about momentum, and I think it ties in with now the season starting and all the feedback and all the positive feedback we've been hearing on the rule changes for Major League Baseball, making it a better viewing experience for the fans. What kind of feedback have you got so far through spring training, Derek, about everything that's transpired? Yeah, Vince, the, the absolute same. You know, and, and it's funny because during the WBC, we, we sat here and thought, boy, what is different? What, what are we missing? And we thought, the pitch clock. I yep. wish we had the pitch clock. That's right. You know, and the games were going three and a half, four hours, and but but they were exciting and it nail biters, especially the finals. But you know, I, I think taking those those game times from over three hours to around two and a half hours in spring training when you have all the changes and all the pitching changes and you know the the slow play it's impressive and and I think that along with taking away the shift which is going to be good for for our team uh, contact hitting team the bases now where the where, where I think you're going to see stealing bases and the running game back in into effect and our guys should with the athleticism and the youth should benefit from it all all right when we talk about the Diamondbacks um you guys are a popular Wild cardish, dark horseish kind of pick from a lot of people. Are you feeling it? Do you think this is the year all these pieces are coming together? Whoa, you know, I certainly, I, of course, I hope so, right? Um, but but there there are a lot of good teams, and and you look at our division alone, and you're always going to have to battle. I mean, whether you talk about the Padres or the Dodgers, the Dodgers have done it for for a decade, every single year, and they're going to continue to. Um, even that, you know, the Giants are improved. I think this is a really tough division, uh, and and the National League, and then you go to the Central, and you're going to have the Cardinals and the Brewers, and the Cubs are much improved, and of course the East, you've always got the Braves and the Mets and the Phillies. So there, there's it's a tough road to get there, but I do have a lot of confidence in this team, and, and it's it's clear that we're we're showing that we're going to be able to sustain it, and that we're going to get better and better every year. And the fact that we have so much depth behind the players that are already on this roster, when you look at Walston, who's who's almost ready, and fought, who everybody was just dazzled by in spring training, um, you know, and, and we saw Drew Jones come up against the the Guardians uh, on Tuesday afternoon, and he hit one to the wall, and then he comes up his next time, he gets a base hit, and the place was so excited and electric, you know, behind him. And you also, you know, Jordan Lawler, and we saw what he did this spring. And I, I, there's so much excitement for the youth on this team. And the fact that our fans are really behind that youth movement, we were telling them for years, and we, you know, through you guys too, I've been saying, guys, trust me. And to, you know, to our fans, we really do have a lot of talent coming up. And now they're starting to see it, and they're excited about the way we've built this. And I, I can't thank them enough for the patience, because it feels like we're finally here. Derek Hall, our guest here on Arizona Sports on opening day 2020. 23 D-backs and Dodgers tonight, 7-10 first pitch. You could hear it here on 98.7. Part of that youth, uh, the decision 
to lock up Corbin Carroll. Eight years, $111 million for a guy who's got 32 major league games on his resume. And some people around baseball would say, what are the Diamondbacks doing? I love that. <laughs> That's the way the D-backs are going to have to do business. And I look at what the Atlanta Braves have done in recent years, Derek, and in, in, in identifying young talent, locking it up early, and keeping that core together. Is that kind of an unofficial model of what the D-backs are maybe could be following over the next few years? Well, 100%, Benny. Yeah, you, you asked it and you answered it. You're exactly right. And we have to do that. And there, there are several other players that we have identified on this roster that we're going to have to do the same in the next year or two. Uh, but to have that core locked in and the ability, you know, with the option, we, we could have three of, of Corbin's free agency years locked up, not only all of the arbitration years, but we could have three of his free agency years. We have to do that. And, and that's who we need to be. And we have, as I mentioned, you know, pe- players that we've identified that we would like to build around him plus the message that it sends i mean vince when when we made that that signing you know official the clubhouse there was a lift in the clubhouse like we get it we see what they're doing they're investing in us they believe in us and they're building this thing the right way all right so i i really don't want to spend time on opening day talking about stadium issues but but yeah yeah right exactly (laughs) exactly but there have been all these stories about how low chase field rates and, and and granted it's also a very affordable thing so so you guys are doing the best you can with that just to update us on where this whole thing is going Yes. And, and by the way, Beck, you know, they, I think fans are reacting the same way that, that I have for seven to 10 years. You know, we've identified the needs of this ballpark and we've said if we're going to stay here, which we're going to know very, very soon, I'd say within the next month to two months, if we're staying here, I don't think that, that we will rate, rate or rank where we are now, um, say in the next three years, because we know what the improvements need to be here. And, and there's a lot, not only the infrastructure needs that most people will never see under the hood, but things like video board scoreboard you know uh, audio system led lights new premium areas new suites a uh, new club downstairs new clubhouses all of that we're going to do and then you know just like wrigley field people people now look and go whoa you know it looks like a brand new stadium that's what this would be too if indeed we're going to stay here and we're, we're working on that so I, I would agree with fans however you know we have a staff here that works very hard and they keep this facility looking new and they keep it clean and they keep it safe so i don't think that's you know all that 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 fair to them and not to mention that if you look at all those polls that came off of some of the recent studies and rankings, we have a lot of fans that came to our defense, which was nice to see. And they're all saying, wait a minute, you know, that stadium is still great. And when you're in there and the roof is open and the door panels are open, it's as nice as any stadium. And we're going to continue to make it look as, as good and safe as it can be. Well, Derek, we're uh, glad you're going to be spending yeah. uh, some time with us weekly again here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Best of luck this weekend in L.A. Hope things how get about, off to a good start. How about this? Win six of eight to start the Ugh. season against the Dodgers. And you're you're rolling, yeah, man. There you go. Yeah, yeah. You know, isn't that fun that uh, you know our first ten games are against the Dodgers and Padres? Oh yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, schedule makers. Yeah. This is a great way to start. Yeah. <laughs> nice little runway you got there, D. You just got to preach the nuclelouche, Derek. Announce yeah. your presence with authority. Yeah, Zach Gallon, no no tonight. It's all good, man. Oh man. Hey, knock on wood. All right. Yeah, appreciate See you, Derek. You guys. <laughs> yeah, sure right. you do. Thanks, Derek. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week, Derek Hall, President and CEO of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Our guest, and he will be weekly with us again all throughout the 2023 season. Coming up next, we've reached the halfway point of uh, the show this morning. You know what that means? Bickley's going to change his shoes. <laughs> no! Bickley's going to no, dispense some one for eight today, fire! Man. Fire! The Bickley Blast is next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.